Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Progressive Outlook. Thank you for listening. And actually this topic wasn't going to be the initial topic. I was working on one about critical race theory and whitewashing history, which is very prevalent with this topic, with this podcast, because this is a history podcast and political podcast is one. But um, yeah, this is actually about Afghanistan. So much has been happening in the news and so much information is just coming out. Um, I decided to do this one. This was going to be a foreign policy and Afghanistan podcast, but there is so much on Afghanistan. It's just entirely it. I'll go back to critical race theory, finish that up, and maybe do another one about um, House representatives and senators who actually are doing their jobs of Uh, legislation, passing bills, uh, addressing bills, working on House committee, because especially on the House of Representatives, there's a lot of senators, well, a lot of representatives who don't do anything, who spend a lot of their time just vlogging on Facebook or just going on tours and barely spending time on the Hill or doing anything. So just actually want to focus on the proactive members of Congress. So both uh left and right of course but uh yeah thanks for listening if you like what we hear go ahead like subscribe and listen to future episodes of this dropping thanks to be fair we had helped to create the problem we're now fighting how because when the soviet union invaded afghanistan we had this brilliant idea that we were going to come to pakistan and create a force of mujahideen equip them with stinger missiles and everything else to go after the soviets inside afghanistan and we were successful the soviets left afghanistan and then we said great goodbye leaving these trained people who were fanatical in Afghanistan and Pakistan, leaving them well armed, creating a mess, frankly, that uh, at the time we didn't really recognize. We were just so happy to see the Soviet Union fall. And we thought, OK, fine, we're, we're OK now. Everything's going to be so much better. Now you look back, the people we're fighting today, we were supporting in the fight against the Soviets. That was Hillary Clinton about the origins of the conflict in Afghanistan and predicting the future. A lot of people seem to have forgotten who and how these enemies have come about. Every U.S. president has let Afghanistan down ever since 2001. Actually, hold blame on every president, starting with Bush Jr. or George W. Bush, however you call him. But yes, every single president, especially Bush and Biden, for the botched exit strategy of this war that's happening right now. We knew leaving the country was going to be ugly and messy, but this is on another level. It's as if the intelligence community forgot the civilians in between the conflict. Now we should be leaving? Yes, we should be leaving. Otherwise, this would become a forever war. And the United States military complex isn't set up for perpetual warfare, no matter how much they fund it. And if anyone believes it, this exit right here, Afghanistan is proof that we can't stay in a decades-long war. The exit strategy is an embarrassment along with the length of the war and the mismanagement of what should progress, but instead it led to chaos. Afghanistan was a failure throughout the entire occupation. First and foremost, refugees should be extracted immediately to not just the United States, but to 
all the nations of NATO since they helped invade Afghanistan. Now, we've been fighting for 20 years. Will another 20 years actually make a difference? We've been lied to for two decades about any success in Afghanistan. Comparison on how modern Americans from citizens of politicians idolize Rome and the Roman war machine of ancient times. They want to recreate it, but it can't be. We've tried and failed from Vietnam, the Korean War, however you see it, Iraq, and Afghanistan. If we stayed for another 20 years, it would be exactly the same outcome. What's crazy is we spent 20 years of occupation with nothing to show. But who really got paid? If this was really about helping people, we would see results. If this was about the United States expanding its control, they would have made it a proxy state or a client state. This was a different form of colonialism. It's still colonialism, though. It was about paying contractors, exploit resources, and control the territory as long as they could. Now, the history and culture of Rome and the politics I discussed that briefly brought up cannot be single-mindedly interpreted to fit into the framework of one or two ideologies. Romans preferred government on the cheap and as such chose to administer new lands and people indirectly, maybe through indigenous collaborators who were awarded Roman citizenship or other benefits. Uh, but what was the real moneymaker? was warfare and colonization. Think of Boudicca's husband, Prestugus. He allied with the Romans instead of taking them on and fighting them. They were a small Iceni tribe. And before he died, he wanted Rome to agree to share his territory with his daughters, which they did. But when he died, they ignored the agreement, annexed his land, led an invasion, attacked his family, Boudicca rose up trying to stop them. Uh, Rome would stay in perpetual war with the countries such as Germany or evade other countries, exploit, exploit the resources to feed back the war machine that they had going on. Rome only stalled when they couldn't fight anymore in the east or against those Germans because they didn't have successful victories anymore to feed back into the war machine and that started the decline of the empire. The United States is trying to mimic what the Romans did in the sense of being a war machine and feeding back into it. And if the U.S. military can't do it, the departments of the government will farm it out to mercenary companies or private military companies to do it for them. And actually, one of the other reasons why I hopped on this podcast was because Eric Prince, the owner of Blackwater, the famous military company, I'll go into their atrocities that they've committed later on. Eric Prince knows he has a very controversial company and he lived a very private life. He barely was on TV. He barely took interviews because he just didn't want to be in the hot seat for the crazy things that his companies are doing, the wars that they were involved in. About the last four years... He's become a little bit more in the public eye, especially with his sister, Betsy Davos. Um, she was part of Trump's cabinet for the Secretary of Education, even though she knew nothing about education. That's literally not a slight on her, but she really didn't know anything about that. But um, Eric Prince, he his his military was really hired even more for Afghanistan and believe it or not Trump actually pardoned several of his soldiers 
who were charged for a uh, crime that they committed as well. But yes, Eric Prince was on Tucker Carlson on Fox recently. He was a guest for an interview. And actually, he was talking about uh, his role of the private military complex for Afghanistan. And also, he wrote an op-in a few years ago in the New York Times about his POC being a viceroy for the government in Afghanistan. And I would, shouldn't be surprised if he still believes this to this day. It wants it to happen. Now, a viceroy is basically a country or a colony that's ran indirectly from who they want to run it for them. A little bit like a puppet state or something like that. These guys actually win whatever the land is, wherever the country it is, and they're running it on behalf or whatever country they do. So Eric Prince would take over Afghanistan, actually run it on behalf of the United States as long as he could. And that is a mess on so many different levels there. It's talk about just dabbling more in there. How about dropping a private military in there? And not just that. I'm sure he still has that mentality to this very day. I'm sure he's working on a scenario of whether it's more horror from the Taliban or other countries evading Afghanistan to capture for themselves. Any sign of conflict, Eric Prince will suggest to a department, hey, why not bring out a PMC over there to evade and fight those guys for the U.S.? And thus he'll create his his viceroy, his U.S. colony in the Middle East. The sentiment to tell the public, we can't go back. Remember what happened last time in Afghanistan, 20 years, nothing happened. Well, it could result to them just getting a private military company doing it. We're not going to send our troops to it. We'll just employ somebody over there to take care of what the conflict that's starting up all over again. Now, the problem with POCs, especially Blackwater, at their crimes of humanity. They do really great in Afghanistan if they're going to be there for whatever they want to is to run a country. Jesus Christ. If anybody won this war, it's military contractors. Let's be real. Their pockets swelled up and they just kept bringing in more contractors and more contractors just making money just off of this forever war that was going to turn into in Afghanistan if there was no exit. Um, and Let's think about like what was so bad with Blackwater, which was Blaze Sunday. That's a perfect example why they shouldn't be there. Uh, the civilians were caught up in crossfire. Actually, not crossfire. It was all-out fire on them. And it was unjustified shooting. This was actually in Iraq. Um, Blackwater shot at Iraqi civilians, killing 17 and injuring 20 in Nisar Square, Baghdad while escorting a U.S. embassy convoy. They claimed they were fired upon, but it was discovered that, that they weren't, and each shooter was sentenced 30 years in prison until Trump became president and pardoned all of them. Now, Blackwater has also been involved in scandals of tax fraud, improper use of force, arms trafficking, and overbilling. Uh, as of January this year, for example, more than 18,000 contractors remained in Afghanistan as the United States military numbers reduced lower than that. And some contractors actually extended their time, their contracts beyond the withdrawal deadline, likely to fill the void of the presence of the United States military. So they're thinking like, hey, we could just 
extend our deadline so we can still work in Afghanistan even when they leave. Um, this also includes positions such as intelligent analysis, translation, interpretation, as well as IT, um, private security contractors. It, these are people who began taking over roles once held by uniformed soldiers. So whenever I say PMCs, it's not exactly, you know, grunt soldiers with, um, you know, M4s just lined up everywhere. Uh, these are just military contractors who just take up any position just doing anything within the security or intelligence detail. But it's still money that could have been used for the infrastructure, creating an institution of government, and training the military of Afghan soldiers, and equipping them to fight off the Taliban. Instead, money's going to these guys, Blackwater. But, you know, mismanagement of swelling the packets of PLCs is uh, one area of what went wrong in Afghanistan. And another is Pakistan. Uh, we can't keep meddling in the Middle East and destabling all these countries, okay? Uh, 20 years of warfare, this is a show for. Again, for it's this proves the war was a failed effort and the resources didn't go to the infrastructure or the military, but to corruption. It's... By the way, when I say infrastructure, the literal infrastructure of the country was bombed like on the first day. We didn't just invade. We bombed Afghanistan first and then we had to build it back up and build up other opportunities for these people who literally went from civilians to casualties. Now, the deal is U.S. has spent billions in foreign aid to Pakistan since September 11th. A good example is between 2002-2011, U.S. Congress approved $18 billion aid, which has fallen to corruption and security concerns. Uh, Pakistan helps fund and support enemies that we were after in the first place. So even though we were supposed to rebuild Afghanistan, a lot of resources went to the opposition in the name of aid to victims of the war. By augmenting the instability, Pakistan can control who influences the country of Afghanistan. And with terror groups taking over Afghanistan, will be strong allies to Pakistan because they helped them put them in place. Resources galore, uh, which is what everyone's after anyway the u.s russia pakistan hell even china are interest, interested in this piece of land now that's the money resources of for example going to private military contractors going to other countries that's actually supporting the taliban indirectly through corruption and another is actually swelling the taliban numbers to example of what it is today um, Trump initiated the ending of the Afghanistan war. He made a deadline. It's going to be May 1st. Biden extended it to the end of August. And keep in mind, when Trump made that deadline, he was still planning to be president. Like we saw how much of effort he put in to try to just put lies and misinformation out there that the election was stolen from him because he really wanted to stay in office. So he would see this exit happening on his watch as well so close to a year ago though trump released over 5,000 taliban prisoners and one of those prisoners is actually the leader of afghanistan right now 
which may have increased their campaign at recapturing the country. Now, I'm not saying that oh, releasing those soldiers just did it automatically and there was no hope for the country. Taliban was actually going to try to recapture no matter how much their numbers were. But I think they would have ran to more of an opposition if it wasn't 5,000 strong with these guys. Um, or just their morale wouldn't even be that strong as well, too. But it was. And just releasing those prisoners actually brought up that morale again. That's what happens there. Um, we've failed Afghanistan. I said it before, I say it again, especially with the previous presidents and up to this one right now. Bush invaded two countries with no plan on time frame, objectives, or exit strategy. As if Afghanistan was a knee-jerk reaction to 9-11 of finding the terrorists, we should have engaged in a ground assault. Real talk. That's what we should have done. All right? And we should have done spec op missions as well, with no plans of occupation at all. The primary target was laying low in Pakistan eventually after its elimination. We still stayed in Afghanistan for whatever reason. Um, instead, we occupied Afghanistan and just said that we're rebuilding, we're fixing it up, and oh, we actually have a mission completion. Nothing was ever completed at all. There was actually almost no end of game to it. Um, like, seriously, when I say ground, ground assault and back ops missions, is that we should have just went striked into Afghanistan to fight against the Taliban, run over to the mountains, run to the mountains. By the way, while we were doing that, initially with the Taliban, they first said, like, hey, you know what? Strike a deal with us. We'll give you guys Bin Laden. That's what you guys are looking for anyway. We'll sell them out to you. The United States under Bush's watch was like, no, no, we're going to keep fighting you guys. They're like, okay, then keep fighting them, keep grinding them. They were like, hey, you know what? You guys are getting this back against the wall here. We surrender. Accept our white flag of defeat. No, no, we're going to keep fighting you guys. Keep fighting you guys. And... It's not like we're trying to grind them to a pulp. The reason was literally was because the occupation of Afghanistan was becoming so lucrative. That's all it was. And that's why they just kept fighting out there. Instead, think of what we did in Pakistan to capture or kill Osama bin Laden. It wasn't occupation at all. It was a spec house mission, a night strike. They observed that, that, that fortified household realized that it was a high-value target and who that target was. What did they do? We flew into Pakistan in the middle of the night, conducted a raid in the middle of the night, and extracted in the middle of the night. They didn't contact Pakistan because, guess what? The United States government didn't trust the Pakistan government because they knew that they were actually working with these terrorists. They didn't know if they would have given a heads-up and that, you know, Bin Laden would have ran out or anything like that. They did not want to jeopardize the thing. So they basically executed an operation. They did what they had to do. They did they fulfilled their objective and they left. Same thing with Afghanistan. We should have just went down there with an objective, fulfill that objective. If we can't fulfill the objective, we just gather intel on the, on the objective and just leave afterwards once it's completed. That's seriously it. We completed that. Literally fulfilled what we were supposed to do and still stayed. That still blows my mind just seriously. But the thing is, 
Americans were getting accustomed to the war. We were getting accustomed to Afghanistan. Yeah, we're in Afghanistan. Yeah, we're still doing that. We used to get news reports. I don't know if you guys actually remember this, but yes, Afghanistan news attacks in Kabul, whether it was like Taliban attacks of bombings and shootings and everything, was coming up on the news. And then they just stopped because, hey, you know, Afghanistan is just Afghanistan. It's, it's what it is. We have a presence over there. And that's literally it. Things just slow down over there because it became adjusted to American culture and custom of us staying in war in another country, which honestly, we didn't make better. You know, we, destab- we keep destabilizing the Middle East. Um, the United States likes to just mess with foreign countries, whether it's Belize, Cuba, Colombia, when it comes down to the Middle East of Iraq, Afghanistan, Iraq again, it's just getting so wild out there. So yes, we should have should be exiting out of there before we make things even worse. Like Hillary Clinton said in the beginning, uh, these guys started up because we got involved against the Soviet Union fighting against them back in the 80s. This is what it turned into. So with this mismanagement of resources and also releasing enemy troops, this is why the extraction is so insane to me. We knew it was going to be bad, but not this bad. And it shows to the world that we spent time just scaring an enemy that was playing the long game to another enemy that just wanted to give us our target anyway. But, you know, we turned them down. That's all. And so what did they do? They just waited it out because they knew that the United States was going to be there forever. And they just knew, like, once they announce their departure, they're just going to retake the country. They retook it so fast that they couldn't even believe it themselves. There was headlines just a few weeks ago that said the Taliban can't believe how quick, how quickly they're taking over the country, how much land they're gathering for the country, how much they're capturing. Like, they couldn't even understand the speed that they're re- retaking things. So... Like Hillary said, the Mujahideen, who later joined Al-Qaeda Taliban, were back to supported by the U.S. during the Soviet invasion of Afghanistan. Yeah, led all the way up to this. So, some sort of orderly evacuation should have been thought of, especially for these refugees to leave the country safely. Um, the PMCs, they're, they're not helping. Um especially if they try to stay behind after all of this stuff, there's just going to be adding more to the mess of things too. Um, just think of it in the sense of the people caught in between of this craziness, the civilians. And, you know, we see people just trying to just hold on to planes before they board. Someone actually tossed their baby to a soldier to get, because they're saying, like, if you can't take us, at least take our children um, about leaving the country. So it, that should have been so, so prepared. Uh, you know, Joe Biden said this it was going to be like the mess of Vietnam of helicopters coming down, extracting people from the embassy, which actually happened in Kabul. The helicopters came down and extracted people from the embassy because it was such a mess. It was like Vietnam. And one last piece of mind I went through out there is I remember someone told me recently that the fall of Kabul, the Taliban taking over Afghanistan is going to lead to terrorism and 
the United States. Believe it or not, that stuff has been happening even while we were occupying Afghanistan. Remember the Boston bombings? Uh, there was a bombing attempt in Times Square, but the people of New York stopped that from happening. And there is actually, uh, I forgot what the explosives were, but there was explosives sent from Yemen going to Hyde Park in Chicago. And it was going to level the whole neighborhood. But actually, Interpol and I believe it was Germany that got a hold of it and stopped the package from being transported. So don't buy into that fear and hype that the Afghanistan war is over, that we're open to more terrorism. I mean, geez, January 6th, we had an insurrection. We have domestic terrorists here right now to worry about, uh, from the Ku Klux Klan to the Proud Boys and all those other white supremacist groups that literally want to take up arms and white people out. Or just like I said before, there is a group, a militia group, that wanted to capture and execute the governor of Michigan just last year over the lockdown. So, actually, uh, the terrorism thing, that is not going to change because of Afghanistan. But um, I'm going to close this off, though. You know, my thoughts could be BS to you guys. Any other thoughts could be BS to you guys. Um, Think about it like this. Everyone has an opinion about things. Even my opinion doesn't carry so much weight. Uh, The most important voice out there to hear uh, the people over there, uh, what they're saying, what they're hearing, and what they're fearful of. Um, So I'm just going to close this out, actually, with those voices. These two interviews are from Hindustan Times. I have never, never... Felt it to this extent, helpless, hopeless, disappointed, poor and miserable in my life. All over 20 years achievement, maybe just go away in blinks of few days. I was a child when they were here, when they were there. Now I am an adult. I, I have seen how these people are. Yes, we I saved you and should leave the country, but why this way? At least you should... They should come to come a little bit, given some time. Our government, they should stay at least inside. They should not create this vacuum. I'm pursuing my MBA. I was thinking like after doing my MBA, I'm going to go back to my country. Uh, whatever I have learned there, I'm going to work. I might um, serve. I, I will serve my country. But the situation is now completely, we can say, a disaster right now for us. As we have done our course, everything here in India, if you go back to our country, uh, especially, you know, if you go back to our country, especially Taliban, you know, they are kind of allied with Pakistan and we have studied in India. So they are just two opposite sides of a coin and they're not going to match. And I think it's a big, as a big danger for us to go back. Now we think like staying in here, but if we stay here, the Indian government will not issue us visa will not issue us visa. So illegally, we cannot stay here. We cannot work here. So we are just like, uh, you know, a leaf in the wind, which is going that side, that side, wherever the wind is pushing, we're going that side.